0: Rhode Island. This is your station, your music, the world famous WXIN. Providence, Rhode Island, USA. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Stadium Appearance with the whole Shake on the show. We're talking about the latest and greatest happenings in the world of sports here on 90.7 WXIN. We got a lot to talk about today on this early edition of the Stadium Appearance on this lovely Valentine's Day. That's right. I'll be coming to you live. 2 to 4 p.m. today, as I have just a little bit of Rhode Island College basketball to commentate later on today. So like I said, I'm coming in early. I still want to talk to all of you about everything I got to talk about. And there is a lot. The Celtics. Where do they stand against Cavaliers who have remade themselves in the face, facing the NBA trade deadline, facing age, trying to outrun father time. How do they trade school for them? Also, we got to talk about the MLB offseason, which is still not existent. Even with spring training opening up, they still have nobody signed except for, like, nobody, except for, like, you Garvish and some other guys. But really, boring. So I got some thoughts on that. I want to talk about the Patriots. I found a fun little thing that lets me do math. That's right, people. We're going to be doing some math here on the Stadium Experience here today. And if you are interested in any of these topics and want to talk about them with me, do not be afraid to call in at 401 456-9946 or at 401-456-8787 or head on over to Facebook and check out the Mike Kane Memorial live stream of the program on the official Stadium Experience Facebook page. Drop me a comment. Tell me things you want to hear me talk about. Tell me things you want me to talk about. Tell me I'm an idiot. I don't care. Just hop on. Say a few words to me. Tell me you love me on this Valentine's Day. Anyway, though, with all that out of the way, you are listening to The Stadium Experience with your host, Jake Elmsley, on 90.7 WXIN. And with all that, we are going to dive right in. It's Valentine's Day. Life moves on. We're now... Not two weeks, actually. A week and a half removed from Super Bowl Fifty Two. So the wounds are beginning to salt just a bit not enough they're still there but for the first time in what's been a while we're not we're not going to open up patriots we're not we're not going to start with football today i know it's kind of been the bread and butter last couple of weeks how couldn't it be i know we've kind of done football for like the first hour and a half of the show and then we just you know cram everything else at the end But, nope. Not gonna do that today. Today, we're gonna, we have a lot, I have a lot to want to say about the Celtics. I have a lot I want to talk about the MLB. Like I just did in my intro while I was screaming, but we berate people for things. And uh, the Olympics are going on. I haven't watched a lick of the Olympics. I really don't have anything to say about them. But, still... The lesser of the two Olympics, by the way. Summer Olympics, by far the better Olympics. I don't know. Maybe that's me being the former track and field superstar of Rhode Island that I am, but former mile split legend, but alas, bigger Summer Olympics guy. And yeah, we're going to, we are going to, in the classic style of the stadium experience, the classic style, which, by the way, I feel a little nostalgic because next week, Fun announcement. Next week, we'll be back in the regular time slot, by the way. I'm only starting the two hours early because of logistical issues. But next week will be the year, the one-year anniversary of the stadium experience, which I'm excited for. Maybe my my longtime listeners out there, whoever, whichever of you exist and have yet to make yourself known to me, be a fun little romp for us. I'm going to try to plan something special for that. Even if all my regular co-hosts have classes time, well, I mean the regular times like Jordan moment was going to join be with here be here with me today, but he has something or another to do that's less important than this, but it's just me as usual, so no job today, sadly, don't know where he is, but I would like to do do your job with him, but sadly, none of that, so it's me, it's Jake, and we now live in. We are now living post-NBA trade deadline, 2017-2018. I'm upset because last year, the one thing I liked about my Thursday night, my, th- my Thursday time slot was that my show started last year, right after the trade deadline ended, which was amazing. I got to do everything on the trade deadline real time, but can't do that this week. But So here I am, six days late now, the last person on the planet to talk about the trade deadline. But usually I am the last person to talk about things. So... You come to me to close out your analysis of things. So anyway, the trade deadline coming through. The Celtics not making a move. Only thing they added was obviously the buyout. They agreed to the deal. They used the, the DP they got from Dor- Gordon Hayward. They use that to sign Greg Monroe. They have Greg Monroe. Greg Monroe has been nice. And yeah, they brought in Greg Monroe, which I actually don't know really talked about Greg Monroe being on this team. My timeline, how I talk about things with the Celtics is a little off, but the Celtics have Greg Monroe. I think he was a good addition for the Celtics. It's only been three games. I liked, I liked the addition of Greg Monroe. I said at the time that of their two biggest needs in my eyes, which were bench scorer and, you know, a big rebounding guy, also to come off the bench or maybe the start, I don't know. But of those were, I think, what I thought were their two biggest needs. I think that's what most people thought were their two biggest needs. I don't think there's anybody out there who's saying that no, they need more defensive guard play, or they need more something else they have in abundance. So those are the two biggest. And of those two biggest needs, I thought that the bigger need, or at least the more important need to me, was to get that secondary scorer, that second guy who that guy who can come off the bench and score off the dribble because, you know, Kyrie's their only player really on the team, let alone in the starting lineup who can score off the dribble. So I was hoping they would be able to bring in a guy like that. Marco Bellinelli, Tyree Gevins, Joe Johnson, even. Okay. Right, so I hope that they would bring in a guy like that in the trade. And when they signed Greg Monroe with the DP, use the DP, I thought the man, okay, they think fig- they finished, they fix this rebounding issue on the buyout market. That's smart. I mean, Greg Monroe is probably among the highest quality of player who at least was in the Celtics range. I'm not going to say he's the best player who moved. I mean, the best player who moved is Blake Griffin and then can argue that Clarkson and some of the other guys, but among guys that the Celtics could be in on, I thought is it among the best overall players. So I was fine with that. But then I thought it also meant, but now that means they're going to make a move for that secondary score on the trade market. Now that they've used all the extra cap space they got, now they'll go trade for Evans or Bellinelli or Joe Johnson. And they did not. So the Celtics roster, plus Greg Monroe, they also did not trade smart, which... I'm fine with, which, I mean, I'm 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 glad that Marcus is still here in the end. I am. I didn't want them to move him unless, you know, there was a secondary move coming, like signing Tony Allen or something. But I think they're better with him than without, unless, you know, they used what they got for him to trade somebody else. But fine. But overall, I'm happy Marcus Smart is still here. As much maligned as he is by me and as stupid as he was to break his hand by punching a, a picture frame, which is just beautiful. I, I I I want the player to be here instead of a first-round pick to be here. So, happy. Now, the Celtics moving forward. I don't want to, I'm not going to sit here and say that I thought that adding a Tyreek Evans or adding a Bellinelli, and I love saying Bellinelli, or adding a Joe Johnson, way less fun name to say, would be the difference between them contending for a title or not. Because obviously, I mean, Golden State is still by and far better than them. And better than everybody else in the NBA. Which is really the preface to any any conversation I ever have about the NBA. And any preface to any conversation I have about the Celtics or whomever. The Cavs, the other 28-7 teams, who aren't the three that I talk about the most? So I don't, I can't, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that bringing in Tyreek Evans or Bellinelli would put them over the top and that would be the big difference. So I'm not going to sit here and act like I'm crushed that those moves didn't go through. I'm not going to sit here and act like I'm crushed that they weren't able to trade for Tyreek Evans. I got excited for Tyreek Evans specifically. I wanted him above the other ones, but you know, Memphis was asking too much. Memphis didn't wind up trading him for anything. So... This isn't like last year where I was all in on DeMarcus Cousins and I came in here guns a blazing because the Pelicans got him for relatively nothing. And I've also been proven wrong about DeMarcus Cousins being, you know, the love of my life, so it's whatever, but either way I'm not I mean I'm not crushed like I said. Like if they if they were going to keep the guy then fine. I didn't want Ainge to go in there, you know knocking down the doors, blowing them away with offers because he wasn't worth it. I mean, on the one year dude is not worth it. So I'm not crushed. But it's still, you know, the Celtics only improved through adding Greg Monroe, which I think will improve them. I think he'll take he'll play he'll take minutes away from Baines and or Tice. There'll be quality minutes. And it will I'm going to help the team fill what I thought was not their biggest need or at least their most important need because, you know, you could argue that – I mean, you you definitely can't. I mean, they're they're not a good rebounding team. So, you know, they're worse at rebounding than maybe they are scoring off the bench. I haven't actually looked at the rankings, but I think that getting that scoring off the bench would make the bigger difference for them is my point that. They could be equal needs. They could be 25th in each in the league, and I'd still rather get the scoring off the bench just because I think to beat the teams that they need to beat, the Cavs, the Warriors – That scoring off the bench is going to be the bigger difference and out rebounding them because they're not, because the teams that they're competing with in the end aren't great rebounding teams either. But I digress. I'm not going to get stuck on that. So, still, they were able to fill a need. They were able to bring in Greg Monroe. Jesus Christ, I forgot his name for a second. They were able to bring in the moose, Greg Monroe. And where do I lie? Where does this put the Celtics? Because obviously, as much as I would like to separate the two, I can't really talk about the Celtics deadline without talking about the Cavs deadline. Where if for whatever reason, I don't know, you don't follow the NBA... And this is like day one for you, and you're like, I'm gonna start following the NBA today. I'm gonna start off by listening to this random dude at Rick's show. That's this is I want to get in at the ground floor. I want to get the underground NBA news. We listen to this show. The Cavs have taken their whole team gone. This sucks and it's old. We still want to keep LeBron. We're going to get rid of everybody, which they have done. They traded. Well, first, they traded away Dwayne Wade for nothing. They traded traded away Dwayne Wade for a 2024 second round pick that's incredibly protected. And they traded him back to the Heat. So now Dwayne Wade got traded back home for what is a 13-year-old child at the moment. That pick in 2024 will turn into an 18-year-old in 2024, which is... A 12 year old now, a 12, eight, 13 year old right now. So, you know, great all time Hall of Fame player just got traded for uh, the eighth grader for an eighth grader. So, you know, good, good for D-, D Wade. And now the trade that actually means something because I sat, which I guess I can't say that training Dwayne Wade needs something. Because I sat in this exact chair about, I don't know, four months ago and said, oh, Dwayne Wade, that's a good addition for the Cavs. He might be a little washed up, but he'll still give him some points off the bench. (laughs) Idiot. Idiot me. Anyway, the other trade was they did a three-way trade with the Jazz and the Kings, and they sent the Jazz, Crowder, and Derek Rose, and by the way, Crowder, and they sent the Kings, Amon, Shumpert, and the Cavs wound up with Rodney Hood, who was averaging about 19, 18 points a game this year, good player, and George Hill. And then finally, and the trade that's, you know, the most exciting talking point that's been beaten to death because I'm late to this, but that I'm still going to talk about. Talking point has is that the Cavs traded IT and Shannon Fry and the Cavs 2018 first round pick to the Lakers for Jordan Clarkson and Larry Nance, who I like. I like Jordan Clarkson a lot. So in total, in total, I'll summarize this best I can. The Cavs traded Dwayne Wade, Jay Crowder, Derek Rose, Emon Shumpert, Isaiah Thomas, Shanning Frye, and a 2018 first round pick. Don't forget about that. And they got back Rodney Hood, George Hill, Jordan Clarkson, and Larry Nance. So they traded six players, three of which were their op- were opening day starters for the team, by the way. Remember, yeah, Derrick Rose, Jay Crowder, and Dwayne Wade all started on opening day. Or you can say that Isaiah Thomas account count as a starter and that Derrick Rose doesn't mean dick, which Derrick Rose does not mean dick. So fine. Three of their planned opening day starters. If we lived in a reality where injuries were turned off. So fine. So either way, you know, I can keep thinking of fancy ways to say it, but the Cavs have remade their entire team on the fly, at the deadline, which is so fun, which is such an NBA thing to happen. So. the in th- what, I mean, th- these are good, like I'll just to, before I get into the specific, well, not the specifics, before I get into the fun storylines. Stemming from how this plays so much into the Celtics and how much this relates to the Celtics. The, I think overall, not even before I even talk about the, I love the listings I'm going to talk about later, but before the, also before I get into the Celtics Cavs game from the other night, which was embarrassing, I think overall, I mean, I think these trades are good. I mean, I think these trades were good for the Cavs. I think the Cavs are better now. Just once again, without getting in the rankings. I mean, they got younger. They got rid of, you know, a bunch of their, you know, underperforming vets, guys who seemed washed up and they brought in good, legit young players. Rodney hood. I just talked about was averaging 18 points a game. Jordan Clarkson wasn't having a fabulous statistical year, but I love Jordan Clarkson. I've always loved Jordan Clarkson. I don't like the contract he's on, but as a player, I love Jordan Clarkson. I wish that the Lakers would have pushed to play him more. Larry Nance is good. George Hill. Is it, also like a solid all-around kind of old-school point guard. And he's the oldest player they got out of this at, tw- at 31 years old. But other than that, Hood, Clarkson, Nance, all under 25 years old. All guys that offer them flexibility. I believe Rodney Hood's deal is up at the end of this year, but still. And, yeah, so, I mean, I think that in the end, they got the better end of this, you know, cumulative deal. And I think that, once again, their team Improved. Because now, you know, they maybe they don't have to make, you know, Kyle Corver a major part of their rotation. Or they don't have to make Jeff Green a major part of their rotation. Like they got younger, and you know, it's it's worked for them, you know, through two games with all these new players. They're two and oh right now. So Good for them. I'm not going to say that, you know, now now they're back on top. But, you know, between beating the Celtics and, and beating the Thunder, they've looked good. They've looked better. I mean, they look not like a bunch of old guys and LeBron. So, good. Good for the Cavaliers. Now, The saddest thing about this trade is how emblematic, not emblematic, what it is. It's, it's a sign of the, really just, the amazing, meteoric descent, downfall <laughs> of Isaiah Thomas, the little guy, the 5 er who could... Isaiah Thomas, who what six months ago? and more than six months ago. Eight months ago, was playing in the TD Garden, had people throwing MVP chances way. We were on the radio, me, you know, Percy Spaziano, Cusack, Murphquake, Reaper, all of me and my nerds talking about. Oh, is it a guy you should give a max contract to? That's a real thing. That's a real conversation, and frankly, you're kind of in a minority if you say that he shouldn't. Those are the conversations people were having. second team all pro. I mean, this was a th- we all know what i t was like for as much maligned and as many of us were you know trying to say like, oh, he's not you know a franchise player. you shouldn't build your team around him. Regardless, you know, he was viewed b- better than he is now. And, you know, you Celtics fans loved him, a lot of them. You know, the the big, you know, big Celtics fans. Loved IT. And we all loved IT. I mean, I loved IT. Even when I didn't think he was a max player, I still... He was still a fun player. It was still a great story. I mean, he gave the team everything he could. I mean, as a fan, you couldn't hate Isaiah Thomas. You could hate the discourse around Isaiah Thomas. You could hate people's overrating of Isaiah Thomas. But, you know, you you couldn't hit, hate the player. He gave everything. He was good. I mean, he remade himself into a success story. He Went around recruiting everybody who breathed near the All-Star game. He played through his sister dying in the playoffs. Got a tooth knocked out. Kept playing. Played hurt for a lot of it. And, yeah. And then, you know, with, got hurt. And then with the NBA being, and with all really pro sports, all pro sports, being the cold, calculating Nasty, nasty business that it is. The second that a younger, better model in Kyrie Irving became available, Danny Ainge went, out, oh, screw this guy. <laughs> and, and shipped him off to their biggest rival as a th- as a throw-in. Well, not a throw-in. I mean, some people say he was a throw-in. Not a throw-in. And, yeah, he got shipped off. And ever since then, and, you know, it was hurt. so he... And then ever since then, he's been scorned. He's felt score and he's obviously Isaiah has been, you know, all bitchy. Like we've all talked about, we've all poked fun at him. He's constantly talking about the Celtics obviously did not want to be in Cleveland. That was obvious from the get go, you know, coming back, having them move, asking the Celtics to move his video night because he wanted it to be a night. He played all oh, the stupid beef he was getting into with Paul Pierce and all this was before he was playing. Or, I mean, it was after he started playing, but still. A couple of games after he started playing. But, one way or the other, Isaiah... And then, through it all, I still thought, though, that, you know, that the Cavs... Got a good deal in trading Kyrie. If Seeing as how Kyrie didn't want to go there, I thought, yeah, like, listen, like, Isaiah Thomas is not Kyrie Irving. And I thought lesser of Kyrie also before this season. And I think that's fair because he's played better than he has any other season. So I don't think I'm being ridiculous in saying this. But no, I mean, but I still thought that, you know, Isaiah, if he was healthy, could go to Cleveland. Slide into that guard role. Once again, not be as good, but in a lot of ways, replace the level of production of Kyrie from when he was in Cleveland. Once again, Isaiah was never as good as Kyrie has been with the Celtics. But yeah, in Cleveland, Kyrie and Isaiah had very similar scoring numbers. Isaiah scored nearly, scored as many points as him and even was a little more efficient last year. And I harped on those numbers. I still liked the trade at the time, but... I thought it was a little unfair to act like Kyrie in Cleveland had been by and far better than Isaiah, which wasn't true. The defensive efficiency, like, yes, Isaiah is and was one of the worst defensive players in the NBA. But guess what? Last season, Kyrie was just as bad. So, yeah, I was a believer. I was like, listen, like, I think this can work. I think Kyrie can work in, I mean, Kyrie. I think IT can work out in Cleveland. And, oh boy, was I wrong. And I can't... I think it's better if I just give you... I read you this excerpt from this. This is an article that came out the day after the trade deadline on The Ringer by Roger Sherman. And the article is, Which Traded Cavs player had the most depressing run in Cleveland? And it it gives you basically the... Rundown of Derrick Rose, Dwayne Wade, and Isaiah's time in Cleveland. Three All-Stars, one former MVP. And I'll just skip to the Isaiah Thomas. And it starts off with this. I think Thomas just played the worst extended streak of basketball in recent memory. He shot 36% from the field while making the Cavaliers worse defensively than any player has made any team in the past 25 years. And then, you know, he puts a link to an article where it just spells out the advanced numbers, and they're not... That's not good. And it actually links to a tweet, and I'll read the tweet. Isaiah Thomas currently has a defensive rating of 117.5 with the Cavs. Not only is that the worst of any player, minimum 25 minutes per game, this season... It is by it is actually the worst by any player in the last twenty five years, and that came on the end of January. And to continue on the article now, the Cavs were minus one forty six with Thomas on the court over his final thirteen games with them. He was bad enough that LeBron James had a negative plus minus over a stretch of about a month. The Cavs were twenty four and twelve when he played his first game in January. They're seven and ten since. Thomas has always had defensive problems. But they were worse this season. And his dynamic scoring disappeared. It turns out, and I love this line. It turns out being tall might be helpful for basketball players. And then it and then we get into the off the court shenanigans. But somehow he was just as bad off the court. Thomas tried to get his team to turn on Kevin Love called out his teammates' effort, said nobody on the team trusts each other, which was that quote from last week that I alluded to in my outro where he said basically, really, like two days, a day before he got traded, he said, when the going gets rough, we all turn on each other, which was just great, and I loved it. I loved it. The the philosopher in Isaiah Thomas. And then said that the coaching staff doesn't make in-game adjustments. It was clear his teammates hated him. And then it links a video from his last game in min- with a you know with the Cavs where LeBron hit that buzzer beater against Minnesota. And you see it, and they're all celebrating. And now on the outside, you see Le- IT like trying to like pat LeBron on the back and get his attention so he can hop in and maybe like get a couple of fist bumps of his own. And they are all just completely ignoring him. And it's as though they knew he was being traded. And yeah, LeBron probably knew he was being traded because, you know, LeBron was the one who was. Probably, not probably, was the one who orchestrated traded him. Traded him because, you know, it didn't didn't click too good between those two, which I don't want to say is surprising because the idea that IT would go into Cleveland and try to have the mindset that, this can be my team. I can be the leader, which is absurd, by the way, to think going to join a LeBron James-led team, that you're going to join that team and you're going to be the lead. I mean, that's ridiculous. That's stupid. That's an absurd thing to think. But also, like, I can understand that, you know, IT coming off his two years with in Boston where he was the guy where, you know, he, uh, once again, MVP chance, getting smoke blowing up his own ass, like having really everybody in the organization to Ainge, Wickersh wick, all those guys telling him, Oh, you're, you're gonna be like the next great Celtic. You know. You can understand. Like we here in Boston as the fans and the organization pumped this guy's ego up so much. We had this guy who was like a who was a role player come in and pumped him up and this guy who we had had trouble fitting in in a lot of places just because you know been kind of a dick in other places this guy we had trouble getting to fit in and then you know blowing this all up his ass and making him feel like he's you know this big man and that he's a star in the NBA yeah his ego got inflated and it's kind of on all of us so when he gets to Cleveland and it doesn't and he gets too big a head and he clashes with LeBron and tries to be the leader of the team i can imagine that wouldn't go over too well and then when he gets on the court and just looks so slow looks like the hip is so clearly bothering him can't score i mean you read that he's shooting at 36% so you have a player who's already really only good on who's already really only ever good on one end of the court and then have him not be able to play on that end of the court either. Yeah, you get a player who really isn't good for much of anything. Really, an Isaiah Thomas who can't score, can't do anything. Not a great passer, not a great rebounder, not a great defender. Like I, We've been over these things. Here, when Isaiah Thomas was here, I don't know, ten thousand times, fifteen thousand times, maybe some large, exaggerated amount. But so yeah, when he gets to Cleveland and he can't score, so he, he can't do anything, and then it's being an ass. Yeah, it is bele- it makes sense that it didn't work out and that they'd want to get rid of that as soon as possible, which once again. Sucks for a guy who was, you know, an MVP candidate in All NBA second teamer, a guy who they brought in with the idea that maybe he could replace the production of Kyrie Irving. To now get traded to the Lakers as once again, this deal, kind of a throw-in. They wanted the pick. You know, it wasn't Shanning Fry that they were that the Lakers were thirsting for wasn't really IT. They wanted the pick, and they wanted to get rid of, you know, Jordan Clarkson, who's contracted in, like, and Larry Nancy who they didn't want to pay. So, yeah, that sucks. That sucks, but, you know, we've come a long way from, you know, backing up the Brinks truck for him. Now we have a guy whom they were talking about buying out, who Winhorse was reporting that the Lakers were going to consider buying out. a guy who's coming off their bench now. A guy who texts his manager, I'm not going to come off the bench. Yeah, I mean, it came out after the trade that he, on the flight over to, where is it? L.A. He was texting his manager, there's no effing way I come off the bench. Yeah, now he's going to be Lonzo Ball's backup. Which is sad. Sad. Very, very sad. And yeah, and now you have, yep. And now Isaiah Thomas is going to be a bench player on a 23 win team. Or he might get bought out. Neither of those are really a good look for him. So yeah, it's, it's sad. It's, is depressing. Like I don't. Like, I don't want to pile like I didn't want to pile on the guy too much for being an asshole in Cleveland, because in the end he was scorned. I think he should understand as a business, but whatever. I can understand how the emotions would get in the way. And I don't hate the guy. I'm not mad at IT for being a dick. I just It's just sad. And you wonder, like, is he ever gonna really heal from the hip injury? I don't think so. I mean he looks sluggish. He's coming up on thirty. It's, Guys really very rarely come back from hip. So we might never see him become the same kind of player. And yeah, you know, is it going to be, you know, the next Derek Rose? I don't think that's a great comp, but still, I mean, you know, what could have been not here in Boston. I mean, in the end, I am glad, I mean, obviously I'm glad they didn't max him out seeing as how it happens now. Can you freaking imagine? If if Ainge had just been like, ah, well, we think he'll heal from the hip. We'll give him this max deal, and we'll be as good as gravy. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? So, good on it. I mean, Danny Ainge is right, and all of us are stupid and wrong again. I almost thought the deal was an overpay at the time for Kyrie. All things considered, and man, was I wrong. Like, I was never a big Jay Crowder guy either, so I don't really care about that. So, you know, that kind of... This whole thing kind of flies in the face of all you who tell me that Jay Crowder was a legit piece because now he just got traded to the Jazz. So, you know, screw him and his super affordable contract, but still, bring it back to IT. My long soliloquy for Isaiah Thomas, for the little guy, I pity the And I hope you find success or at least some modicum of closure. Or maybe get bought out and come be a bench scorer for the Celtics. But nevertheless, I I hope he finds. I hope he finds happiness in the end. Anywho, though, you are listening to the Stadium Experience with your host Jake Elmsley on 90.7 WXIN, or maybe you're listening in on the Mike Kane. Memorial live stream. We're gonna take a quick break here, and then when we come back, we'll we'll discuss some stuff about uh about the MLB trade deadline. We'll we'll look for it. I mean, yeah, MLB trade deadline, MLB free agency. We'll look around for it. Anyway, though, once again, you're listening to the Stadium Experience with Jake Elmsley, and we'll be right back after these messages. Welcome back to the Stadium Experience with your host Jake Helm to show about the latest and greatest happenings in the world of sports right here on 90.7WXIN. It's a happy Valentine's Day to everybody. I'm now here being joined by Mr. GM, Mr. Computer Obtainer, Mr. No Loafers, Josh Percy here. And we were just talking a lot of Celtics. I gave you my long meaningful heartfelt message. Mr. Isaiah Thomas in the last segment, but now we're going to be moving on to another to a search looking for something that we're longing for, which is what the hell is the MLB offseason? My God, dude, like Red Sox pitchers and catchers report today, which by the way, I mean, Josh, if you want to head down to Florida after this, maybe we could catch a little bit of maybe catch price. Maybe finally start that mentally break David Price plan. We laid out the
1: issue is I'm not going to try to break David Price. I need we need him. But it would so, so funny. The Sox need him yeah, I know, to come back strong because clearly this off-season was the year for free agents to make a statement. To not do anything. Well,
0: I don't think it's free agents who are making a statement. No, it's their agents.
1: Or should I say Scott Boras? I think everybody. Scott Boras. No, it's Scott Boras saying, oh, I um, yeah. if I wait long enough, y'all will pay my clients yes. whatever the hell I want yes. you to pay And
0: me. by the way, if you don't know, if, you know, like I said, if this is your first time listening to sports radio and you don't know anything about MLB, right now, uh, J.D. Martinez, and I literally have the free agency tracker on MLB.com. Of the top 10 free agents, three of them are signed right now. I mean, J.D. Martinez is still out there. Jake Arietta Hosmer, Mustakis. Did I pronounce that Moustakis? Mike Mustakis. correct. Yes, Mustakis. Like, those guys, like, legit guys, like, top free agents this year. Not, you know, all MLB players, but, you know, the top free agents, most of them are still out there. You Darvish got signed, like, this weekend, and... Yeah, by the Cubs
1: out of everyone.
0: Yeah, but which, by the way, I mean, nobody's really talking about that, but... I mean... It's a good move for them, but anyway. No, if, that's a great move. If we talk about moves that have happened, it kind of muddles the whole point of this segment. So sh- No,
1: but um, the issue is that the MLB doesn't have a salary cap.
0: And by the way, this isn't normal, but if you don't know, this is usually these g- guys are signed by this point in the offseason for the most yes, part.
1: But the issue is, is that Scott Boris has been known to get those... Three hundred dollars contracts. Those two hundred dollar contracts. Yes, two hundred million.
0: Um, and most of those guys have turned out to be busts, Busts. and that's and that's why I think. well, you say you think this is the players making the statement? No, and that's why.
1: This is Scott Boris telling his his free agents. Hey, sit tight. You'll get signed. Mm -hmm. I'll take the offers. Mm -hmm. We will get you the money that we think we value you at jd martinez you think you're worth 200 mil i'm gonna get you 205 Mm -hmm. sit tight stay in shape spring training is gonna hit stay patient because teams will panic and they will overpay it's similar to the same thing as like when the trade deadline comes up for any sports if your team is a rival with someone or if your team is battling somebody, I'll take it. Cleveland made a lot of moves this trade
0: deadline mm-hmm.
1: and I was surprised that Danny Ainge didn't panic and make a move. This yep. is how it is.
0: Yeah, and to bring it to that I definitely think that that, that on Scott Boras' side and the player side that's definitely their mindset. But I think the opposite end of that spectrum is this is ownership or this is, you know, the management departments of these teams going, you know what? Like we're done. Overpaying the you know the good not great free agents of the world. We're done giving the Hanley Ramirez's of the world gigantic contracts. We're done giving you know B B minus players
1: A plus A contract. plus
0: player money. So and that's why I think that unless you're Bryce Harper. Or Manny Machado, Manny or Mach- Jen Carlos Stanton, uh, Mike Trout,
1: Kershaw. Yeah, um, uh, you're not getting the contracts. We don't you want to give you
0: these contracts anymore because you know because the you know the mob contract market has gotten super inflated. That's
1: why I think a lot of these guys are going to end up signing like one year deals.
0: I agree with you. Or you see, I think right now it's a stare down, and I think it's going to be a matter of you know do do the players accept contracts that are more in line with what they're probably actually worth not what similar players caliber players of them have been getting paid lately or does you know the Padres or some stupid team blink first and throw them a bunch of money which is just as likely which by the way is why I don't think this is going to be the new trend a lot of people have talked about like oh like is the offseason going to be like this every year now and I don't think that's right because I think what's going on right here is this is a market correction and I can't tell you which way it's going to go I think it can go either way. It's these players keep making a ton of money, or the market gets corrected and these guys start taking more realistic deals. I don't know which one's gonna happen. We can go the
1: issue is that teams are gonna like the Red Sox seem as though they're not willing to move no. past or offer more than 20 a mil. six year like uh, I think yeah. they offered like a 175 or something like yeah, that. Yeah, I think
0: they're offering about twenty million a year. It's like they put out their offer to JD Martinez, which still
1: Little pricey, but like that. I think it's like close to 120. It's uh, I yeah. think it's closer to 150 than the 200 mark that he wants. Yeah, it's but that's what he should be valued exactly.
0: At. And that's and that's thing. It'll it'll come down to you know do teams like the Red Sox do they stay pat and do these players eventually and take these yes. deals or do the Red Sox or teams like the Red Sox? I don't think it would be the Red Sox, but do other it's t- any team out there? Do they go? Yes, it only takes one team to inflate the value of players. That's yes. my point.
1: Also, is you're waiting to see if like. Scott Boris is sitting here, since there's no salary cap, uh, the Padres can offer the same amount of money, if not more, than the Red Sox.
0: Exactly. That's the point. So
1: they're sitting here, and the Padres could be offering J.D. Martinez uh, you know, a what $200 million dollar deal. Now, the option is, does he take less money to play for a championship-caliber team, or does Playoff he take team. more money—
0: to play for the Padres
1: to pay play is he in it for the championship or is he in it for the money? Yes, that's, the, that's also what it's narrowing down for. Is if the player is sitting there and he goes, "If you're 25 years old, you have plenty of time to win a championship. You mm-hmm. might as well go and you." Well, make but your you have money.
0: a guy like JD Martinez who's 31, and this would be his well second big contract now. But yes. you get like that's what I'm saying. Like this is this like we're gonna the see. The player
1: now. needs to decide. You know,
0: this offseason right here, this will set the market for the next couple of years. I think. And, you know, you can talk, maybe there'll be some guys who take less money, but I just think overall, when we get to the grand scheme of things, when we look at it at the end, are the players going to win? Or is the management of teams going to win? Or is it going to be something in the middle? Like, do the Red Sox end up settling on like a $170 million contract with J.D. Martinez? Does something like that happen? And like I said, that's why I don't think this is going to be a trend. I don't think this is going to be what happens going forward. And in that regard, it's almost kind of interesting because... Yeah, you said baseball contracts the last decade or so have gotten insanely inflated for good players. Good players have been getting stupid money, and they you know, they get contracts that, you know, down the stretch, they start crippling these teams. I mean, look at Hanley's contract. That's But that's what players of Hanley's caliber were making. You know, you have guys like John Carlos Stanton who are making what they're worth. Mind you, he has like a 15-year contract, so it won't end up working in his favor, but Still, like, you, you get the idea. These are teams that... The MLB has to change something, I think. I imagine. The MLB's c- collective bargaining agreement, though, doesn't change until 2021. So they still have three more years under this current system. And... But one suggestion I got for something they could change came from an article from Forbes, of all places. This article written by Wayne G. McDonald Jr., who, yes, he is white, MLB free agents is suffering from owners' flawed strategies and an imperfect agreement. And he just talks about all I've been talking about, really, yada, 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 about, oh, this is just a market correction, because it's Forbes, so they talk about the money. But one thing he brings up as a potential solution, which I found kind of interesting is, well, not a solution, but something could fix the problem, is, for one thing, make changing the system so that MLB rookie contracts don't last six years. That way guys aren't hitting free agency for the first time at 28, 29 years old. That way, guys are hitting free agency for the first time regularly at 24 or 25, 26 years old, which makes perfect— You need to get rid of arbitration, if I'm being yes, honest. Yes, or at least just only have one year of arbitration at the least, because, yeah, I mean, in any sport, Josh, the NBA, the NFL, the NHL, MLB, what are the—, what is the like, the two or three factors for, like, the most prime free agent. Like, what are the most, like, just money, lock-it-up free agents? They're guys who are, A, good players, great players, Pro Bowl-caliber players who are also 26 years old. Like, that is the magic number for free agency in all sports because if you lock a guy like that up to a five-, six-year deal, it it's going out by the time they're just in their 30s, which, you know, that's, in all major sports, like, you, you deals that the the more a deal goes into a player's thirties, the less good you feel about it. But in the MLB, the first time guys hit free agency and you're giving them that big five, six, seven year contract, it's going to take them into their mid thirties. Also, it seems as though baseball players are playing a lot longer. Yeah, but still, like you don't want I mean, they're not in their prime. Still, you know, you, in baseball when you give that guy their when a guy's getting their first big contract, it's probably going to not be their entire prime. You're going to get some of the back years in that. But if you, true. But if you were to shift it to where, you know, now these guys are... All, if all these free agents were two, three years younger, teams would be way more willing to give them big contracts, I think. If Eric Hosmer was 26, I think you'd feel way more comfortable giving him a big deal because at least you know you're not... Get, or if Jake Arrieta was thir- 26, at least you know that when you give him the big deal, at the end of that deal, he's not going to be 34. You're going to get, you know, all... Late 20s, early 30s, prime years out of these guys. So, I mean, that's one solution. And once again, a market correction needs to happen. You know, either the players need to get real and the agents, Scott Boris, because all these guys are represented by Scott Boris. Oddly enough, I think almost every player who's unsigned right now is represented by Scott Boris. Yes, that is correct. That's why
1: I say it's more of a statement by Scott Boris. Yes.
0: But, you know, he needs to get real, which, eh, who knows? He needs to get real or, you know, the ownership just needs to keep handing out contracts. And in a way you feel bad for these players because they're just trying to get what guys of their caliber have been getting paid, but they just happen to become free agents the year that the owners are like, Nope, no more. Turns out giving $200 million deals to pretty good players. Wasn't a smart, smart strategy. We were silly. We shouldn't do that. No more. You guys got to suffer for it. So, I don't know. I don't think there's any, like, sweeping rule changes that need to happen to stop this kind of thing from happening. I know that people have been bandying about the idea, and we've talked about this a little bit. People have been bandying about the idea of a salary cap in baseball, which, honestly, I am monumentally opposed to.
1: Uh, I, th- uh, I. It oppose- would have to be a higher salary cap than, like, the what people probably want it to be at. Yeah. Um, but I do think that they probably need to put a max on a salary cap. You
0: see, I don't, Um, I don't know, because honestly, the point of a salary cap is parity. It's to increase parity. And the MLB on balance has really the last 10 years, at least had awesome parity. It's had, I don't know, the best parity of the four major sports leagues. Maybe the second best, if you want to argue hockey, but like the NHL and the MLB have had the most parity of any major sport league. Am I right? Am I wrong in saying that? And it's funny to say that because those two leagues are both on the furthest ends of the spectrum in terms of cap. The NHL has the hardest cap of all the major sports leagues. And then you have the MLB, which has no cap. But both of them have had the most parity. I mean, the last five five years, look at the World Series. You've had one team be in the World Series twice in the last five years. And that was who? The Kansas City Royals? You know, if the Kansas City Royals had a run... Your league's doing okay. So you've had plenty. Like the Houston Astros just won a World Series. The,
1: yeah, no, that's true. The Cardinals um.
0: win a World Series. The Tigers won a damn World Series five years ago. Like the Cubs. The, the Cubs and the Indians played in the World Series. That's insane. So, I. Like, I can't sit here and say that, like, yes, people always want to say, like, oh, well, the Yankees always get the best players, and that ruins parity. But you know what? What have the Yankees done the last 10, 15 years, really? But if
1: we're being completely honest— They're going to destroy the league um, this year, but— If we're being honest, any team could have made that move because any team could have taken on that John Carlos Stanton cap. Because there's no salary exactly. cap, the and Yankees just decided to make that move. And it was, I mean, they, it, have you know the room, mean? and they, they had the. I mean, you don't really need to have salary cap room. There no, is no. You're salary right, and
0: there's cap. a luxury tax. So there's, there's a certain threshold, but still, like, but I'm pretty sure the Yankees are well above it at this point. I I don't know. Well, I mean, no, because the MLB has really been the last couple of years, at least in the last five years, they've really been rewarding. Drafting and developing your own talent Which in part has been but because of the stupid amount of money
1: What's the luxury tax, like, threshold? I don't know
0: exactly what the number is I couldn't because tell you Because if I'm being it's honest John so
1: Carlos Stanton's contract probably like 50% of that
0: for Oh yeah Oh no real. But I'm just saying, like, the Yankees Like, they don't really have that but many what, big contracts Yankees right now they just
1: jumped on an opportunity Because they see that within the next, like, what, five years They have an opportunity to yeah. have a team for the next five years Even if John Carlos Stanton walks that's At, insane. You know what I mean? Yeah, they have five. They have a. F- they now have a five-year window. Yeah, With where they judge. Can s- they can you know judge. Uh, Sanchez, Sanchez, John Carlos Pro- Stanton. Yeah. Granted, their pitching staff needs to be upped a little bit. Yeah, but it
0: did. It did anyway. You know, they weren't going to add a player who's equivalent to John Carlos Stanton. But any team could have done that. The Yankees just jumped on it. Exactly. You know what
1: I mean? They had the assets and players that they were willing to give up. Yes, and they have those assets
0: because they've been drafting and developing well. Exactly. Which has been what the league's been rewarding the the last couple of years. A lot
1: of those teams that uh, suck right now probably could have made of just as good of an offer.
0: Yes, and I think part of the problem in the MLB, and part of the problem you have in all leagues is you have some teams where the ownership is just so cheap and just doesn't want to do anything.
1: Also, Giancarlo Stanton had a no trade clause.
0: Yes, which is also that's also true. I forgot about that part, but yes. still, like you get my idea. But
1: what I'm saying is that like if he didn't have no trade clause, any team yes. would have had an option to go after him. Yes, and even then, like I
0: like I'm just saying there like there's like five there's like seven yeah, or eight teams up,
1: on his no trade. No, make
0: my point that like, people try to act like oh like the Yankees have like proved that baseball has a parity problem, but the Yankees haven't done anything. Is my point like these big market teams haven't had have had the same impact as the small market teams? Like yeah, yeah. You, you had the Dodgers in the World Series this year, but they lost to the Houston Astros. Think about that. The Astros, like I said, the Cubs, won a, they, the Red Sox won a World Series, but even then, the Red Sox.
1: But if we're being completely honest, the Astros used a combination of homegrown talent yeah. and uh, like, purchasing <laughs> rental players. Yeah, but even then, like,
0: they didn't, you know, the, the, the Astros did not have any big, big free agent guy that they signed on that team. No, but they traded for uh, Justin Verlander, yes. who had a career
1: resurgence. Yes. As soon as he hit that Houston area. Absolutely. But still, like, you get um, my point,
0: though. Like, they they still like they built that team themselves. Like that's just been what the league. But been. if
1: I'm gonna be honest, they don't win that World Series without Justin Verlander. No, absolutely not. But so if you're making an argument that they won it based on drafting, that's incorrect because um, they had to make some deadline moves the last two years when they've been in contention and get players that aren't on one-year deals. Right. But they've gotten players that are on. 1 to 2 year deal I'm
0: just saying like overall like they haven't no, built, no, no, They haven't true, built their true. team through adding you know big time but outside guys But they don't
1: guys. get to that, uh, that no, the area of No team does at the deadline without building homegrown talent right, exactly like, that's by Mookie Betts and Zan- I mean Xander Bogots are supposed to be a lot bigger than he is yeah but you know the Red Sox have a lot of homegrown talent yeah like, they've got five the or six Yankees guys do that. like that well the Yankees don't anymore
0: well I mean they still do I mean they still have Judge they still have Sanchez they still have D.D. they G- still have
1: D.D. G- a- G- G- uh, D- 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 oh uh, right no right, he wasn't right. he was traded from uh, Arizona right fair enough but they still grew him up there I mean they know st- they traded him
0: Right, but they still like he he became DD with the Yankees, but still like fine, but still like they still have a young core, and that's but they were still able to do what they were able to do this year, not because of these big time, not because of the Jacoby Ellsberries. Like they were able to do that because of these guys they grew themselves, and that's just what the league's been rewarding. So no, like the MLB really does not have a parity problem at all.
1: Which I is, can still see that maybe um, th- you put a salary cap. Like, uh, maybe
0: a couple... Where the luxury cap threshold is? No,
1: maybe a little lower than it.
0: Well, you Um, see, what I think would be the solution, because... Or maybe
1: you put a salary cap above the luxury tax, Mm. where you get an even bit, because you have to pay a luxury tax, but then you also, you know, you can't go... you can't yeah. you can't overly exceed the luxury tax. Yeah, because if you wanted to be honest, if your ownership says like you know what, screw it, we're willing to go like a hundred mil over the salary. Then you start luxury. losing
0: picks and you start yes. losing international signing money. But
1: you still, there should be something there to you know, you know, you know what I mean. Like the salary cap there mm-hmm. could go above the luxury mm-hmm. tax. Where hey, listen, we won't take it. We won't start taking picks away from you unless. You, you spend X amount of money, unless you well, spend you see. X amount of money. If
0: there's anything I would say that the MOB could stand to add, because I I'm anti MLB salary cap. Could like, they
1: li- could they limit how many uh like 200 mil contracts they have on the books? No, could they limit how how many how much money they can give out per contract. Well, no. Here's
0: what I would do. What the MLB needs is a salary floor. I think they need a. They need to, like, really enforce a minimum. Because the problem is, I think what's hurting the MLB is that you have these cheap owners who their teams are terrible. But because they are cutting the payroll and... You can't have a floor because some some players aren't worth the floor. No, I'm saying,
1: like, an overall... Salary because if, if somebody has an absolute crap season, no, you, you I'm still saying an absolute like a few mil. I'm that's saying that's unfair because no, I'm saying
0: not a player, an overall team salary cap floor. Like your team has to be spending X amount of money on players, and that will stop. You know these teams, where you have teams like the Pirates are the prime example. They have a team where their ownership, even though the team sucks, since they're not spending a lot of money on players, and whenever a player is worth money, they ship them out. They're still able to turn a profit. So you know. Why bother spending more money to win? Like, that's what's hurting the sport. And that's what, I mean, that's that's the case in all sports. Like, you have Mike Brown with the Bengals. You have the Kings ownership. Like, every league has owners who aren't going all in on spending money. So, you know, you institute the floor at least. There
1: should be a minimum in how much a team...
0: Has to, spend. has to spend. That's what on I'm saying. Players. That's what I'm saying. That's a floor. Put a
1: salary. But then again, you're throwing out outrageous contracts to players that don't deserve it, and we're back at square one. I don't know where f- people are gonna, where players are gonna eh. sit there and be like, "Wait a minute, this team just offered me this much." uh
0: um, they need to get to the i don't i don't know if they that need would to be get the case to the salary cap. I, I don't know if that would be the floor i don't think that would be a problem but at least it would cut back on teams just you know you have a team that just says like oh screw it like we'll just have like half our roster be vet min guys we'll be ha- we'll have no overhead expenses and then if like we all we, we fill up like half the stadium every home game we're still pulling in a profit i don't know if that would cause the problem because then you wouldn't have situations like as much as i love a good tank. Even though, like I am, no, no, you need to allow teams to do
1: that. However, I think adding a floor will just make players wait longer because they know they can get larger contracts.
0: I, I don't know if it would make that big of a difference though. I, I think, think it because would. you would still have teams no, like I would the think cheap that, teams would still no. try to
1: spend to the floor. No, I still think that you would have players that probably already signed mm-hmm. not sign you wouldn't have anybody signed right now because all these man all these people would be like all right we think you're worth well, this well but much the teams buddy. that He's are like, signing but hey you need to get to this amount. okay but
0: the teams that are signing these guys at the 200 million dollar contracts are probably already at the salary floor like the, this is to stop the cheap teams the, the pirates would never go out and try to sign jd martinez these t- the teams that I'm putting this that I would say put in place this rule to like Screw with?
1: Are you not, not really looking at the issue? You're looking at the teams that aren't willing to spend. No, I'm you're looking, looking at, it at the pl- the teams that are overspending.
0: No, I I mean, the floor thing is to fix a totally different issue. It's to make my point that I think that adding a cap in a league would not help. I think they need to. I just maybe
1: I, get rid of the luxury tax. I just think it's worked. Put the like, salary cap where the luxury tax is, and if you end up spending over the salary cap, you get a larger penalty. You have to pay more. You lose more draft picks, and you get a bigger. And if you hit And if let's say if you let's say you end up between the luxury tax and the salary cap. Between that area, mm-hmm. you have the same type of punishments now. But if you say, "Oh, we're still going to overspend mm-hmm. the luxury tax," I'm going to go and get signed three guy. I'm going to go sign Bryce Harper, John Carlos Stanton, and Aaron Judge to 400 mil. Which contracts. might be exactly what the Yankees end yes, up doing. But but at that point, they're probably spending enough to fill up two luxury tax thresholds. Something needs to stop that. Well, you see, like and listen, like I just think like the NBA. Mm-hmm. I think needs a smaller. They need a. Smaller well, cap. Well, the or NBA. Need to get rid of bird rights. Well, the NBA. Because that allows you to. The re-sign. NBA screwed
0: themselves over by having the cap go up by 20 million all at once. And also, that was an oversight Bird rights
1: need to go away.
0: I no, I like bird rights.
1: No, because it allows you to re-sign people right. over the salary But it cap. also it lets, but you don't have it lets
0: teams that grew their own talent, the smaller market teams that might be at a bit bit bigger risk to lose their players to like the Lakers and such. Or like that, when Ke- Kevin Durant just decides to leave he decided, because
1: he can get more money from OKC, but be, he's like not nah,
0: being it, right. But at least like it might help some guys do that exact thing.
1: And no, I just think that if you get rid of the bird rights, it gives everybody a fair chance.
0: You see, I think it's in there to benefit the teams that have a bad. But anyway, I, I don't want to get in the you bird. I, mean? red. I don't want to get in the bird red. Like let's if the let's hang on. Let's I mean? stay on the MLB though.
1: But what I'm saying is, like, you see, like,
0: and I get it, but I just think that right now, it it shouldn't be working. Like on paper, not having a salary cap in a league with some teams that have so much money than others should not be working, and it should be a mess. But it's just because s- you have
1: certain teams for that don't some reason, spend, and you have other teams that are like, "There's no salary cap. I can have." I can have my entire starting lineup can be $200 Right. And for some
0: reason, like that should be leading to this massive amount of just whatever the opposite of parody is. I can't think of the word, but that should be leading to these long dynasties. But for some reason, it's just not right now. Like if we get to that point and that starts happening again, which could, I mean, it could happen with the Yankees soon. Then yeah, then I'll be on your side and I'll say, yeah, they shouldn't do the salary cap. But right now it's just, for some stupid reason, it's working. Like, for some reason, it's working. And I don't know why, but it's keeping the league fairly even. So I can't complain about it. Like, at this exact moment, it's working. And that could easily change. I mean, that could change in the next two, three, four years. And then we can be here, and I'll be right on your side. But at this exact moment, the MLB not having a salary cap is working completely for it in terms of parity. So... Like I said, like, we're living in a world where the Astros just won a World Series. The Cubs just won a World Series. The Royals won a World Series. The Mets were in a World Series. Like, I think we're doing okay. You know, like, if the Kings, Nets, Josh Percy's leaving the building, but if the I'll be back. Kings, Nets, Hawks, I I don't know, uh, Pistons and Pacers were in the last three, four finals. We wouldn't be complaining about parody. Like, it just, it works. And these things change, and they need to be constantly adapted. But, yeah, at this exact moment in time, February 14th, I just look at the date, even though it said it's Valentine's Day about a thousand times, but on this exact day, February 14th, 19... 19- 19, 2018, the MLB not having a salary cap for some stupid, stupid reason is working. And I don't know why it really should not work. But it is. So don't fix that. Focus on fixing the pace of play, MLB, though. Focus on that. That's broken. Make games not three hours long. My God, that is what you people should be focusing on. You long old, timey transistor radio listening, Babe Ruth loving, bastards. Make the game shorter. Hat, twisting, stepping out of the batter's boxing. Or two verbs in that phrase. That's ugly English. Two verbing. I got time to come up with all these verbs during a baseball game because they last too long. Fix that. Do that. Fix that instead. And then maybe I'll be happy again. Probably not, though, because I'm miserable all the time. But, yeah, so that is – those are the things I think would fix the MLB. I just just don't think a salary cap at this exact moment would fix anything, and I think that – The offseason being as slow as it is right now is a result of teams handing out stupid contracts, not necessarily to do with the structure of the MLB. And I think we're just kind of reaching an impasse at that. And hopefully it'll fix itself. I really hope it does because I this has been boring. I need the content right now. The Patriots are done. I need the freaking content right now. To fill airtime. So I don't have to sit here and ramble about IT for twenty minutes. Anyway, though, speaking of not filling up airtime, Josh Percy's left the building. I kind of have to go to the bathroom. I think we're gonna take just another quick break here. When we come back, I'll do math. So there's a little teaser for you. You're listening to the stadium experience. With Jake Elmsley on ninety point seven w x I n. And, like I said, when we come back, maybe Josh will be back. who knows? We'll find out. But, oh, I'll, I'll definitely be here as I always am, and we'll just talk about some more sports. And that's it. See you then.
1: You will never find. Wretched Hive of Scum
0: and Villainy. This is 90.7 WXIN. I've heard people say that
1: too much of anything is not good for you, baby. But I don't know about that. As many times as we've loved and we've shared love and made love, it doesn't seem to me like it's enough. It's just not enough, man. It's just not enough.
0: 90.7 WXIN Stadium Experience. Jake Elmsley here. We just had Jock first join us the last segment. I don't know where he is. I think he wanted off summer, but I'm back. We talk about MLB baseball. Why I'm on a complete opposite end of the spectrum, him in terms of what the MLB should do with their salary cap. But anyway, though, once again, we're here. Early edition of the stadium experience. It's about 3.18. We're going to be trying to bring you up to 4 o'clock. I might run out of steam. Stop the show early. Who knows? We're talk about a lot of basketball at the top of the hour. If you want to call and weigh in on anything we've been talking about, anything I'm going to be talking about, anything you even want to hear me talk about that i even brought up like an idiot and forgot, don't be afraid to call in at 401-456- 9946 or at 401-456-8787 or get on Facebook, go on the official Stadium Experience Facebook page and check out the Mike Kane Memorial live stream, which airs every week. You can watch me. You can look at me, look into your soul through a webcam. But anyway, though, with all that out of the way, we can get right back to business. No time for love in here. Time for raw data, numbers, all that. So, something that I found out last night is that spotrack.com, which is a wonderful website that has a ton of information on caps, on player contracts, and all sports, there's a salary gap breakdown for every professional team. It's amazing. That is Spotrac. S P O T R A C dot com. I should get them to sponsor me. Oh, I should do that. Anyway, love them. Great site. Last night at about three a.m. when I was doing this stuff because I have no life, I found that they have a new program. That and this might not be super new. This might have come out months ago, and I'm looking like an idiot. But what this thing is is for, at least for the NFL. They basically gave you a NFL team roster and salary cap manager. So you can plug in for any team, hop on it. It has all the information about all the players' contracts, how much you know dead money you get. So you can like see how much money the team would save if they cut a, <laughs> cut a player. Certain players, you can restructure their deals. You can add contracts, see if it fits into the cap. All kinds of stuff. Once again, you can do this for every NFL team. And once again, this is on spotrack.com. So, and you can do it year by year, by the way. And they haven't added it for the NBA yet, which makes me sad, but hopefully they do soon. But anyways, last night I was playing around with it for the NFL. I was going through all the other teams, and then I decided, you know, let let me look at the Patriots. Let me figure out exactly what their cap situation is going to look like. And to start, going into this offseason, as of this exact moment, February 14th, 2018, Valentine's Day, Early edition of the stadium experience. Maybe things will change by four. Who knows? I bet. I bet you that new that some major news is gonna break during my normal time slot this week. I, I guarantee it. I I guarantee like Brady's gonna retire or something. Like during my regular time slot today. I'm gonna look an idiot not being able to report on it. Anyway, so as of now, the Patriots have about eleven million in cap space. Which is not a ton at all. When you know, we look at their needs. We talked about last week. Are they gonna how they have, you know, they have to figure out the left tackle position, cornerback, even backup QB, and then, you know, the entire front seven. But as of now, they have eleven. But then I started looking through it and I made some easy cuts. Again, very easy with the spot rack interface, which I am gonna get them to start sending me a check, I think. But easy cuts, you know, once I cut Martellus Bennett, who's owed six million dollars. So he I mean he's gone. Maybe he comes back on a cheaper deal, but he's definitely not coming back on a deal he's on right now. Cut Dwayne Allen, who's owed five million. Cut Allen Branch, who's owed three and a half, who didn't play in the Super Bowl, David Harris, who's owed over two million, Mike Gillesley, who's owed over two million, even you know, just cut Kenny Britt, who's gonna be owed a million and a half. That saves the Patriots about 20 million, and then overall, after I do all that, the Patriots have, at least in this weird made up reality, I have. Now the Patriots have $32 million in cap space, which is more than eleven, And enough that now they—and this, by the way, is without me even beginning to try to tweak Brady's contract, which they give you the op- option to restructure, and apparently if they did like change a bunch of the base money to bonuses and whatever— Apparently, they'll be able to save about $7 million, but I'm not so sure Brady would do that, by the way. Like, in the wake of the Garoppolo signing, I don't know, like a little thing in the back of my head is telling me that maybe Brady won't be so willing to take a pay cut. So I don't want to account for that yet. But even if they, if they did, then they'd have close to $40 million in cap space if you want to do that. But I'm playing with a $32 million number right now, and yeah, that does give the Patriots some options. I talked last week about how the Patriots are in a tough spot with Nate Solder, who I think some team will be willing to offer him the stupid amount of money, which would not be good. But with $32 million in cap space, they could, in theory, afford to offer him at least $10 million, which... Could wind up being the market value for him. But like I said, teams just pay average to above average left tackles, stupid amounts of money. He's coming off of good playoffs. So I don't know if I don't feel so dumb not feeling totally confident that some team won't offer him dumb money. And maybe, you know, with two Super Bowl rings in his pocket, maybe he's willing to go cash out. But say that. So, you know, you want to give him $10 million. That's a possibility. Uh, you can retain Matt Slater, which, you know, obviously they're going to retain Matt Slater for no money and it'll make no sense. But, you know, Malcolm, I mean, Malcolm Butler is, they can afford to keep him, but he's as good as gone. He's scorned. He's as good as gone. Burkhead, I don't know what kind of money he'd be worth. Amendola, I mean, I would like to see him keep around Amendola, seeing how he plays in the playoffs. I Many you have Deion Lewis, who's probably priced himself out. Waddle. Played good in stretches. Played, I mean, played very good this year. I mean, All to a good year when he was healthy. I mean, I I think he'd be gone as well, though. He's unrestricted. These are just the unrestricted free agents. I think that some team will probably give him a lot of money and the chance to play more than he get here. And then you get into you know like the Gino Grissom's, the Ricky Jean Francisco's, James Harrison. Like with thirty two million in cap, though, the Patriots you know they do have the ability to make some moves. They do have the ability to maybe you know. Retain a guy like Solder. They, you know, they could offer Malcolm Butler, Malcolm Butler money, but he hates them and has every right to. So he's, he's probably gone. So no Malcolm Butler, but still then, you know, you look at the cornerback market. There's not really anybody you want to give big money to. So I don't know what they'll do there. Then you look at, you can pull up all the free agents. This app is amazing. App website you can pull up, you know. Then you look at the outside linebacker, who's not really anybody phenomenal there. D-Tackle, a guy like Kyle Williams who's there. You have Sheldon Richardson, Terry Poe. You know, like there's not a ton of guys at their positions. So, at their positions and needs. So, you know, like I said, there is a chance that, you know, maybe they are able to retain Solder. Which I think would be big for them. Or maybe they are able to re-sign some of their backup tackles. And just. They have options. And they also have options in the draft. Because the Patriots, if anything, with the Garoppolo trade are at least in a good position. Sorry, moving the laptop there. But the Patriots are at least in a good position in terms of being able. They have a lot of flexibility. With three picks in the top 62. 62? 63 picks. They have the ability to add, you know, three good players on the defensive side of the ball mainly or, you know, if need be a tackle. You know, like there's there's the realism. There's a possibility that a guy like Harold Landry falls to them, which isn't likely. But, you know, that's a guy I've seen mocked the Patriots a time or two. I would be ecstatic if that happened. Especially Harold Landry. I like the player. I mean, they, they could get a good pass rusher. They could have a... Corner fall to them that they like, or you know, they could be a QB sitting there at 31 that they like. There could, you know, they could unlikely, but a guy like Mason Rudolph or a guy like you know, not Baker Mayfield, I think, so go high, but a guy could fall to them, or they have the ability to move up. I would like to not see them move up. I want them to restock the team with a bunch of good young players coming out of you know, last year's draft where they didn't really get much of anything outside of wise. And the defense just looked old and slow down the stretch. I would like to see them get younger. But yeah, I mean, this is a decent draft to have these needs in. So, you know, the Patriots could make moves at these positions. They're going to have a lot more capital than I thought. Coming off of an offseason, like I said, that was very active last offseason. Uncharacteristically active for the Patriots. And they'll be able to... They'll still have a lot of cap room, which kind of sucks because, you know, four of the guys I just I listed as them cutting are guys they added because of that last off season. Dwayne Allen was a trade. Allen Branch they resigned, but still, like David Harris they went out and got, Mike Gillisley they went out and got. And now I'm releasing all of them because they're, you know, none of them. I think all four of them were inactive in the Super Bowl, or Dwayne Allen at least didn't do much. And then you know Kenny Britt was a late. And Martellus Bennett were both in-season signings that made complete sense. So I'm not gonna harp on the team as much. I love the Martellus Bennett signing, in fact. But yeah, like they coming off this big off-season where we thought was like, "Oh, are they gearing up to go 16 and 0?" They might be. And then I'm sitting here going, "Oh, nope, nope. All these guys sucked. You can cut them and and bring it back around. Bring back around the ship. Try again." But nevertheless, the Patriots are going to be in a position, though. They're still going to be in a position to manage it. And that, you know, as much as we've kind of been getting on Belichick the last couple of days, just because of really just bitterness stemming from the Super Bowl, which, you know, the wounds aren't healed yet to bring the show back around full circle. The Patriots do have the opportunity to do some stuff. And they were positioned, once again, by good management. So... Hopefully they're able to capitalize on all of that. Anyway, though, it is about three thirty now. It, like I said, thank you for listening to the same experience with your host Jake Elmsley on ninety point seven WXIM. But it's that special time of day again when I have decided to bid you all adieu. I got to go a little early today. Obviously, I started the show two hours early, but I got to go earlier still because I have to go prepare to do my final Rick basketball doubleheader of the season which will be very exciting to finally be done with doing that. So I'll be doing play-by-play. Jordan Moment will be there with me. Good friend of the show, Jordan Moment. Um, Have a happy Valentine's Day to all my lovers out there. All my lovers, all my couples, all my single people out there, you guys too. Have a good time. Enjoy yourself. Treat yourself to something nice. And We will be back next week in our normal time slot, 4 to 6 p.m., for what will be the one-year anniversary special of the stadium experience with jake elmsley we're gonna be a day early because you know last year the show was on thursday so it'll be 364 days of stadium experience and i'm excited i'm gonna figure something fun out i don't know what yet but i got a week to figure it out hopefully i'll be able to get some guests hopefully i'll be able to get some i don't know yet i'll figure it out i'm excited Anyway, though, thank you for everybody for listening. Thank you for listening on 90.7 and Thank you for everybody for listening on the Mike Cain Memorial live stream on the official Stadium Experience Facebook page. Once again, we'll be back next week, regular time slot, 4 to 6 p.m. for the one-year special. I'll see you then. Everybody, happy Valentine's Day. See you next week.